Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm April Vokey, and you are listening to Anchored. My chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the outdoors today. Join me as I travel to sit face-to-face with my guests in their own homes to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both indoors and out. Kimmy Werner is one of the most inspiring people I have ever met. Born and raised in Hawaii, Kimmy's accomplishments are nothing short of impressive. Certified chef, award-winning artist, motivational speaker, and even the United States National Spearfishing Champion. Most recently, she's added new mother to that list. In this episode of Anchored, we discuss spearfishing, hitting rock bottom, swimming with great white sharks, the word huntress, and more. This episode of Anchored is brought to you by Olakai. Aloha was born in Hawaii, but the Aloha spirit holds no geographic boundaries. With Aloha as their foundation, Olakai takes a different approach to footwear. Olakai crafts only the highest quality shoes and sandals with premium materials and artistic story details with the style, durability, and versatility for today's watermen and waterwomen who lead an active, ocean-bound lifestyle. Whether you're loading up the boat with supplies at the dock, fishing off the rocks, or scoping out the best place to cast from the beach, Olakai's water-ready footwear is designed to keep you sure-footed with comfortable island style through every step of your journey. Shop or find your local retailer at olakai.com forward slash anchored. Um, hi. Hello. How are you? I'm good, <laughs> I guess. No, I'm good. You've had a hell of a morning. It has been, yeah, a, a roller coaster of a morning already, a little. But happy to see you again. Yes. I'm glad we get to have a conversation. Yes, even though we've both got kids running around, I've got uh, my next test, 
who's looking at me very cheekily. I can tell she's not going to be quiet for too long now that the headphones are off. And yours is... My little baby just started crying, and luckily his dad is home and whisked them into the office um, for the time being. <laughs> but I'm sure I'll be needed yes. <laughs> very soon. So we will just knock on wood. We'll see how we do here for the next little bit. Um, so I don't know if you know anything about the show, but really it's just it's a timeline. So I want to get the story from when you were born to kind of where you're at now. I know it's a long story, and we mm-hmm. probably don't have that much time. But um, let's start to chip away at it. Yeah. So I was I was born on the island of Maui and grew up in the town of Haiku. Like it was a very rural part of the island at the time. And pretty much kind of grew up in a little shack with my parents in the very, very early years of my life. And then later moved to a subdivision. But yeah, I, I learned, I got into diving in those early days, in the rural days where we lived in a shack. And that's what my dad would do to put food on the table. Okay. So your dad was a diver. Yes. My dad would go free diving and spearfishing to feed us because they really um, didn't have a whole lot of money. And so that's how, that's how he put food on the table. And when I I was about, he says I was four, maybe I was five, but he started letting me tag along with him. Do you have siblings? I do. Um, and my sister, she would come sometimes, but she really wasn't as into it because she'd have to wake up really early and... Um, you know, a lot of times she would think she's going to come and then she'd choose sleeping over going. And um, for me, I was just the minute I got introduced to that world, I was just addicted, like to the point where there would be some days where my dad just didn't want to go. And I'd be like, you promised, you know, I was so into it from an early age. And it's not like I was spearing fish or doing anything. I was just being in the ocean and watching him. But I loved it. Okay, so were you more into the hunting and the fishing part of things, or were you more drawn to the diving part of it? I mean, I think initially I was just drawn to that world. It's like you get, you know, this, um, you get to go to a whole different place. And, and that world was one where gravity didn't affect me. I felt like I could fly. The colors were unlike anything I saw on land. And as were the creatures. So all of that, I think, was the initial intrigue. But my dad was always there to hunt. And before I even started going with him, I loved, you know, to eat fish or to watch my mom prepare these fish. And so from the beginning, it was also a very magical part to see that firsthand, you know, to put in, you know, tell my dad what I wanted to eat for dinner and watch him go down and literally get it for me. Yeah, um, you so, can be so selective that way. Definitely. When so we're fishing, it, we can't do that. Right. right. We, we put our hooks down and we can try, we can try to sight fish, but mm-hmm. I mean, you guys can be properly selective. It's just fun. I mean, we would go, we would definitely go, you know, fishing with lines and hooks and stuff too. But, but yeah, but diving and just being immersed into that world, I'd love that. That, that was just um, where I wanted to be. Did your dad hunt on land? Nope. He was never, I mean, he, now he has hunted a bit since then. Um, for deer, we have a lot of access deer on Maui that are an invasive species, but at the time he was just all ocean. Okay. Cause yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen, you've done some hunting. Yeah. Did you get two deer with one arrow? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> what is the story? <laughs> well, it's not, it's nothing to brag about because, um, 
Because really, yeah, it was it was an accident. I was with my my girlfriend Kylie, who's just a great hunter, and it was just her goal to to put me on my first animal. And so we got to this lava field, and we saw this herd of deer, and there was a buck you know, in the front of it, but it was out of my range. I could only shoot about 45 yards and this buck was a little further away than that. And so Kylie told me, oh, take the shot. And I said, that's too far for me. And she said, ah, just aim high. And, um, and so I said, okay. And so I aimed high. I took the shot. Um, she was looking with her binoculars when I did and, and then she said, oh, you missed it. Let's keep going. And I just said, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, I'm like, I don't know. I want to go look. And, um, and she's like, and she was just so hungry to follow the deer. And, and I just said, you know, I kept trying to be like, Kylie, I think we should go check. And then I said, I want my, to look for my arrow. At least I want to find my arrow. And, um, and so she kind of was just like really keeping her eye on the herd. And I was kind of going a different way, looking for my arrow. And as I was, I'm like, I swear I see blood kind of everywhere around here. And I thought it was my eyes. And then I'm just like, no, I see a lot of blood. And basically I looked at this tree that was painted red. And then I saw uh, the buck just completely mangled into a pretzel underneath it and apparently um i hit it right through its jugular so it bled out instantly um flip-flopped around this tree and was just completely dead and i was like kylie the deer the deer she's like where and i'm like no i mean it's dead and it's right there and she looked and she was so stoked and um and at the time we were kind of playing this little silly contest because both my boyfriend at the time, Justin, my husband now, but we had never shot an animal with a bow and arrow. And so he was being guided by our other friend, Sean. Kylie was guiding me and they were both doing this little contest of who could win, you know, putting us on our first animal. And Justin had already shot a buck that morning. I mean, he's he's good. He practices a lot. He films bow hunting, so he gets it. But that was his first time really actually being with the bow and trying to be the hunter. So Kylie got really happy. She called up the boys and she said, it's a tie. Kimmy's on. We have her buck. And you know, and it was all for fun. So they were just so excited for me. And um, they said, oh, send us a location we want to come see. Congratulations. And so she sent them our location. And a little while later, our phone rang and I could hear them. They were very close. And they're like, hey, where are you guys? And we're like, oh, did you not get the location? You're close. I can hear you. And they're like, but why aren't you by your deer? And I said, we're cleaning my deer right now. And they said, interesting, because we're looking at a buck with your arrow in it. Oh my goodness. And so it went through the jugular of one and then ended up hitting the vitals of a spike behind it. <laughs> and we would have never known. Um, but, and then Kylie just said, we win. And that was the end of a really oh good day. Oh my gosh. Let that be a lesson to follow up on your arrow. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Right. That's one of the most incredible hunting stories I've ever heard. <laughs> okay, so it I was all, and Yeah. Did, did you love it? Did you? Oh, like I absolutely loved it. I, I loved every part of it. I mean, I still feel like I could go a lot slower as much as a great victory, obviously it is. And it feels to bring home, you know, two animals, all those meat and to have that surprise. I would definitely love to, to earn it a little more to really know exactly where I'm aiming and watch, you know, the arrow go there and to, 
you know, I just, I feel like I was put in a very fortunate situation because of these great hunters that I know who are just so eager to give me such great experiences that I get to fast forward so much and, and have those victories and they're great. But, um, but I also think I'm just such a lover of the learning process. So yes, I, I definitely loved it and I would really love, and I almost feel like I might need um, a second lifetime for this, you know, yeah. but to, to be able to just really learn from scratch and, and give myself the time to, to really learn it and earn it on my own. Um, not like on my own, but at a pace where everything's not just so served to me. I don't yeah. know how else to say it, but I'm so appreciative for that. It was such a happy, happy day, happy mistake. And, um, and there's a part of me like, Hey, if I don't get to be a hunter in this lifetime, I'm so stoked that that was my one experience that I got two deer with one arrow. Like I'll take it because it, you know, it does, it takes so much dedication and time and practice. And I think that's what I'm trying to say is that I, I don't shoot enough arrows. I don't practice enough, um, or anything like that to really even feel like completely worthy, I guess, of taking yeah. that shot. Yeah. Um, and so I guess hence that's why it's a story I don't like really put out there or brag about too much on my own. Yeah, I caught it very subtly. It was in one of your Insta stories and Justin had said, or maybe it was a comment, it was something super subtle that said, oh, and, and two with one arrow. Yeah, yeah. You know, you didn't say it. But I, I just right. remember thinking to myself, that's interesting. I'm yeah. going to ask her about that. Yeah, it was great. It was a great day. And I totally, totally love it. And at the same time, I think I also understand that if it is something I'm going to keep doing, I want to to feel a lot more prepared and confident in the practice I put in before I take a shot at any animal. I mean, granted, these deer are invasive species. There's so many of them. There's eradications that go on to save the environment. And so what better place to to kind of let it fly, I guess. But still, anytime when it comes to hunting, it, there is just something inside of me that I'd rather, you know, there's no such thing as a total sure shot, but feel like I know I can make this happen and make it happen in a in a good, clean, clean fashion yes, yeah. way. How far are you shooting underwater? Mm-hmm. Underwater, I mean, it depends what I'm using. I I love to just go super primitive. It, I've kind of like come full circle these days. And, um, you know, I started off with this pole spear, this three-pronged pole spear. And um, later on, got into spear guns that have actual trigger mechanisms and can shoot further, maybe shoot, I don't know, like 10 feet or so. Uh, and then you can get into really big guns when you're hunting, you know, huge tuna, big fish, like then you're... I have some guns that have five five bands and a thick shaft that can shoot a lot further. But now I'm kind of back to the three prong where you would want to be like three feet or closer to your prey. Oh my goodness. Okay. So you're not shooting 30 yards. No. Okay. No, never. Never, ever, ever. Oh okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like a, a long shot in, in spear fishing would be like. I don't know, from here to that corner, what is that, like 15 feet maybe? Yeah, if that. If wow. that, yeah. Well, I mean, I extend my gun. Yeah, I would say a little past it. So I would say like 15 feet would, be a, would be a longer shot for me. Yeah. So when you were hunting, did you find that a lot of the appeal was the same as when you're spearfishing? Like, were there a lot of the same elements? <clears throat> there definitely, it's like the same, just the hunt, you know, that, that feeling of the hunt where you're... Your mind is working, your heart is beating, you know, you need to be calm, you know, those types of things. Um, yeah, because you're holding your breath. 
Exactly. You, you don't right. have a tank on you. No, I'm all free diving, holding my breath and trying to hunt an animal. And so the way to conserve your oxygen and hold your breath is to lower your heart rate and stay calm. And it's really hard when you see your dream fish go by to not get super excited. So I thought I would be like a natural at bow hunting, but man, I get buck fever and then some. Like I just lose my brains when I see deer <laughs> so you're close human. up. Oh my gosh. It just, I get giddy and forget everything that I think I know. Sounds about right. <laughs> so when you're underwater then, cause I've never done any spearfishing before. When you're under there, are you trying to stock up on an animal or on an, a fish so it doesn't see you? <clears throat> Not exactly. <clears throat> that's what it looks like. And that's what people think they're doing. But it's not really true in my opinion. I feel like the fish can see you. It's so funny. Like we wear camo wetsuits and sometimes and we we kind of hide from the fish. But it's not that the fish can't see us and it's not that we're invisible. It's more so they see you. They see you take your job. They see you, you know, land on the ocean floor, you know, or if you're blue water diving, you know, they, they definitely see you. But um I would say the the hiding that we do, for me, it's more like these like body language. It's like passive, submissive, almost scared, tuck away, pull back body language. Um, it looks like I'm hiding, but the fish sees me. It's more so I'm piquing the fish's curiosity. Oh, so they'll come and check you out. Yes. That's, okay. that's my game. I, that, I let the animals come to me and... Um, there's, you know, there's moments for sure. There's always exceptions where you'll see a fish swim, swim into a cave and you're like, oh my gosh, it didn't see me. I know where the exit of that cave is. I'm going to meet you there and, you know. And, oh, that's exciting. Shoot you. Um, <laughs> but, um, but for the most part, those moments don't present themselves as much as, okay, there's a fish. I'm going to take a drop here. I don't want the fish to know what I am. I want that fish to be curious up to what I am. So now it's a game I'm going to play to make this fish curious. So talk to me a little bit. Let's just get back to your timeline because I'm fascinated about how you got to where you are today. I know a little bit about you. Um, you're a Patagonia ambassador, obviously. So I read up, I've read up on you. I mean, I knew about you before. Actually, before I knew that you were a Patagonia ambassador, come to think of it, I learned about you through the shark video, which we'll talk about later. But I think I watched you do a TED Talk. Yes. And you were talking about being a, a professional freediver. And I just was, I remember being astounded at how long you could hold your breath for and that you were a competitor. Can I've, talk a bit I've about been a that? competitor. So, <clears throat> yeah, I ended up competing not in just like breath hold or, um, or pure free diving. I've never really competed for just depths or breath hold, but I was competing as a hunter. So basically, oh, yeah, I okay. was, a, I, I thought you were just holding your breath to dive. I was a free diving, spearfishing national champion and went on to do international championships from there. Um, but with that, holding your breath is, such part of that's your game but yeah that's that's what i held the championships for okay and so what part of your life or, or when in your life was that so that was when i was 28 years old and basically there's a big gap in this whole story because um we only lived in that little little haiku shack for a couple of years and and then my parents started making more money you know they worked hard and wanted to provide for us and we ended up moving to this subdivision they were working all the time and we didn't get our food from nature anymore directly and 
we would just get it from grocery stores and restaurants and whatnot. And so my dad didn't really need to dive as much anymore. And he didn't really have the time to dive that much anymore. And so I then kind of grew up a very, you know, regular civilized life and, um, then moved to Oahu to this island and, um, went to college, got a culinary arts degree, got a job. And it wasn't until I was 24 years old that I just realized, wow, like there is something so missing in my life. And there's just something that like, I feel like I could be so much happier. There's something missing. And the more I thought about that, the more I just thought back to those old days of, of living simply and of spending time in the ocean and knowing where my food came from. And so I was 24 years old when I ended up getting my own pole spear and deciding I was going to go see if this was something I could incorporate into a modern life. And yeah, I swam out that day. I was totally freaked out, had so much anxiety, felt like a fool, like, you know, walking past people on the beach. You know, I just felt like everyone knew I had no idea what I was doing and um, swam out and just kept swimming and swimming and didn't know what I was doing, but eventually did end up finding this little reef and those memories of watching my dad just flooded back to me and remembering what he would do, how he would dive down and, you know, what fish he would go after. And I knew them all by heart, you know, and, um, I went down and ended up getting, getting a few fish and, and that day just changed my life. I mean, completely. I walked out of the ocean that day, no longer embarrassed. You know, I held my head high. I felt proud of myself. I went home that night. I had roommates I lived with. I cleaned and cooked those fish and felt like I made the best meal of my culinary career and just realized like, this is what I need to do. This is it for me. That and is so, amazing. Yeah, I've been diving ever since. From 24 to 28, you became the national champion. Yeah. That part happened quickly because I was trying to make up for lost time, I think, <sighs> you know, because from five to 24, I didn't do much of any of that except dream about it nostalgically thinking that it was something of the past. What and did you so, do from five to 24? I'm just trying to think of like, <clears throat> what were you like as a teenager? I was naughty. Uh, yeah, you know? yeah. I yeah, figured you might have a yeah. little bit of that. I, um, I, you know, we lived in Maui and I bodyboarded. I loved the ocean. I would go catch waves on my bodyboard after school. But for the most part, I just, I had some, some really great friends and they were my fun. They were my identity. And we, we would do, we would do our own adventures of, you know, ocean stuff and nature stuff. And we also just, partied like it almost scares me <laughs> when I look at how young we were and what we were up to and now being a mom and I'm just like oh whoa. gosh the world was so so real at the time for us at, as such young kids and um and now realizing how young we are I'm just like man it's a gnarly world out there and it gets scarier as your kid gets I older bet. yeah how old are you now I um I'm gonna be 40 in May so I'm 39 Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, I mean, you've been at it. You've been at it quite a while still. I have. Yeah. Okay. So that's 24 to 28. Uh, why did you stop competitive diving? Uh, you know, it didn't take very long to the point where I kind of, I think I just quenched my, my thirst for it, where it was really rewarding in the beginning, especially that first national championship, just so rewarding. It felt so great. I mean, to this day, I can think back of that moment and my heart just swells with like gratitude. But after a while, it didn't feel like that anymore. I just kind of felt like this chase, you know, this thing that I just kept having to prove myself to chase to like keep this crown on my head, you know, not let it slip off. And um, it wasn't the same feeling. And and it started taking away from 
from how I felt in the ocean too. And that part really sucked. You know, I just like, even when I would just go out, you know, here at home just to get some fish to fry up for dinner, my mind would just be too noisy and be thinking about points and, and this and that and competition. And that was like my one place where I was always present. And yeah, that's the whole point of hunting, isn't it? To be able totally. to just totally shut everything down and focus on, I mean, I, I feel like it's the ultimate meditation. There's nothing else, but don't be eaten. Try to eat. Exactly. 100% completely. And the feeling I can get from that makes me a better human being. And, um, in a way, I don't know. Sometimes I think like I'm just living off of like these different stimulation fixes that you get in life, you know, uh, which might sound kind of weird, but there's things that fill your cup and, um, and diving is just the thing that really fills it. And I can go for a dive and I don't need to dive every day. If I go for a dive, I can run off of the feelings of that dive for for a while now, you know, I think even the older I get, the longer it will last me, you know, maybe, maybe a week, maybe two weeks. And I'm still like, my cup is filled, you know, and, and I love that. Like there's other things that will fill my cup for like, you know, five minutes and, um, and whatnot, but diving something different. Diving is a place where I just get so present and feel every moment so much and that's just not the way that, unfortunately, that we normally operate. And it's such a cleansing, beautiful, honest, truthful, real thing. You know, I think that's why people meditate, meditate for 10 minutes to get that, get that cleanse, set you straight. Imagine having that feeling for hours, yeah. for a whole day, for to actually live in a world that is the most pure you know, meditation and how long that can set you straight for. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by the meditation subject because I try my best to meditate. For me, hunting is meditating. And I find that even the people I know who are my favorite people, whoever has the most amount of space seems to be the better person in a lot of ways. I feel like the people who meditate and have that space just tend to be more grounded. I would definitely... Definitely think so. I mean, for me, more grounded, more happy. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, well, maybe that's all it is. Is you're a better person when you're just genuinely happy. happy. I, I, I definitely think so. I mean, yeah, one hundred percent. I think when you're happy, you know, you can't make deposits into other people's bank accounts <laughs> if you're bankrupt. You know, yeah, and yeah. so the more that you're fulfilled, I think the the better you're going to be for others. Coming up, Kimmy shares why she gave up competitive diving, her story about an intimate encounter with a great white shark, and we keep it real about what it's like to be a new mom. Again, thank you to Olakai for making this episode possible. Fishing is at the heart of Hawaiian culture today, just as it has been for centuries. Generations of fishermen and women expertly cast from rocky shorelines and sandy beaches. They spearfish, throw nets, fly fish, and navigate their boats beyond the reef and into the deep blue in search of their next big catch. No matter how they do it, there's an attention to detail and respect for the ocean that guides their passion. At Olakai, they believe in the same attention to detail when crafting the highest quality shoes and sandals built for every type of marine environment. 
Molokai's water-friendly Nohea Moku slip-on shoe features razor siping with non-marking rubber for extra grip on the deck, the dock, or the rocks. And it's designed for easy on and off barefoot wear. Honestly, I live in mine. And when it comes to sandals that perform, Olakai's new Uleli provides comfort and durability for those long days on the boat or on the shore. Whether you're loading up the boat, shoreline fishing from the rocks, or scoping out the best place to set up on the beach, Olakai takes you further. Shop or find your local retailer at olukai.com forward slash anchored. That's O-L-U-K-A-I dot com forward slash anchored. Your head wasn't in the game anymore. So you decided to do what? So basically I decided <clears throat> I was going to walk away from competition and granted it wasn't, you know, just that I just had a lot of things going on in my life. Um, my relationship had fallen apart. I was, just, I, I just was not feeling good about anything and I needed, I needed a break from all of it basically. And I needed to just figure myself out because I was just, I had gotten to a place of, I don't know, just really like not, not being, not being happy. And so I decided to walk away from competition. That was one of the the things that I knew I felt like I had to do because if I could not go out into the ocean and have that same relationship and that same presence, I felt like I was doomed without that. You know, I, I kind of lost everything else that I had believed in, you know, especially love. And I needed, I, I, that was the one relationship I needed back. Like I wasn't willing to give up. Um, I, I really like knew, I mean, especially I think finding it again at 24 and having that feeling of, I, this is me. This is like the truth of me and realizing that I had you know almost let go of it since a little kid. I just promised myself I would never let, let go of that again. And strangely through pursuing it to what I thought was the highest degree of competition is exactly what was making me lose it. The most valuable part of it, which was that feeling that happiness. And so it was me trying to fight for that feeling back by walking away from competition. And so I didn't know what I was going to do after that because that was all I had focused on for those past few years. And it's not like I quit competition and everything instantly just like got better. That wasn't no. it at all. Um, and every time I got in the water, it was the noisiest place to possibly be. Like, And my brain just kept telling me what a loser I was and what a quitter I was. And it wasn't, you know, just myself telling me this. Like there is definitely a lot of opinions about what I was doing as well. But they were louder when I was underwater. And so it was really shitty because... The place I was trying to save and trying to get back we ended up becoming this, like, honestly, like, this place of, like, torture, you know? Before, as soon as I put my head underwater, it was meditation. Now it was just, like, I would feel like I was just getting beat up. And so that was painful, where then I just kind of had to take a break from diving, period. And that, you know, that all just really sucked. Um, but every once in a while, I would try again, you know, go back in, try again, and... And all of that messed with my hunting too, you know, when I'm not in the right headspace, I can't, I can't hold my breath. I can't stalk an animal right. And that was a downward spiral because then I would feel like, oh man, now I suck at this. And so it was just like, it was a lot of stuff going on and it was all in my head and everything about diving is just such a mental game. But, um, you know, if I had to think about one moment where I feel like I really kind of turned that corner, there was a group of friends of mine 
group of guys who just like, you know, they, they felt for me. They didn't judge me. They didn't feel like I was a waste of talent or whatever. They, they cared about me as a person and they're just like, we just want you back in the water. You know, we don't care if you're competing and, um, let's just go for some fun dives. And they'd always try. And every time we would try again, I'd always end up like just not quite being able to do it. I just felt like everyone was just like doing it for me and just realizing that, I don't know, it wasn't working. I wasn't feeling it. And I'd always end up you know, calling it a day. And this one day with them was no different. And so I just told them, hey, guys, I appreciate it again, but um, I'm going to go. I, I tried not having fun. It's not feeling good. I'm going to go in. And so I was just like loading up my kayak. We were all on kayaks and I was going to paddle back in to shore. And um, and they were like, you know, we'll come with you. It's okay. Like we can call it a day. And then, yeah. And then for whatever reason, before we got on our kayaks and had already put my spear gun back on, I just said, you know, can you guys just spot me? Like just spot me. I'm going to take a drop and just, you know, keep an eye on me. And we, I drifted into deeper water and I just took this drop and I don't know how deep it was, but, but it was pretty deep. <laughs> and, um, and I got to the bottom and there's just nothing but sand and I wasn't there with a gun, wasn't looking for fish, but I just laid on my stomach and I just put my face in the sand and I just laid there and um, I think I just kind of surrendered to my unhappiness. I don't know how else to say it, but I just surrendered to whatever I was going to hear down there and every voice just kind of came in and said what it had to say and took its swing and you know, about, you know, being a quitter and walking away from the one thing I was good at, you know, or from failing at love and screwing that whole thing up and how bad that was, you know, and basically every failure, every, everything, everything just came and presented itself and, um, yeah, and, and took its swing at me. And I just said, go for it. Say what you have to say, and I'm not going back up until you're done because I'm so tired of running from this. And it was painful, and it was horrible. And at the same time, the last, it, it finished. Like after just laying down there and just listening and saying, okay, I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that too, you know, and just kind of hearing everything and letting it kind of beat me up. Then there was kind of nothing left to be said. And, and I think the fact that I just kind of heard it, you know, and just stopped running from it. I don't know, whatever happened, it finally got quiet again. That's the point is that it finally went back to quiet. And that was the most beautiful sound I ever heard. I was just laying there in the bottom and just realizing like, Oh my God, it's quiet again. And yes and like and then through that quiet it's like then I could actually hear I could hear the sand moving I could hear the the whales singing I could hear everything and I peeked up at the surface I saw the silhouettes of my friends way up there you know and how lucky I was to have them and as I started coming back up and the sun always just dances this distorted crazy dance through the surface. And that's my favorite part. And just being able to appreciate that again, like that was always my favorite part about diving was just returning to the surface and seeing that. And, and to have that feeling, I could feel the pressure of that deeper dive squeezing me. And that was also a sensation I loved. It felt like a hug, you know, and, and just to have those, feelings come back where I could feel them and love them and 
and it felt good again. It just made me realize if I have this, this is enough. Like, I, I mean, this is all I need. Like, if I can just get, ha- keep having this, you know, and in a way, it's just like, it was the, the love from the ocean, you know, like not to make it too romantic, but really it was like, the ocean is a place that has known me my whole life. And the ocean still loved me. It just made me realize that everything was going to be okay. That's more than anything. It made me realize I could do this. It made me realize that I was still worthy. I was still loved. I still had this thing, just this connection. That's all it was, a connection. And um, (laughs) as weird of a story as I feel like it is every time I tell someone it, it's something that hits a deep part of them. And I think maybe they've been there before. I don't know. But um, but I do think it's something that we can relate to as humans with emotions. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And it's so funny to hear people, you know, telling you that you're quitting at something that you're good at. But you think that they would just want you to be happy. That was, that was hard for me. Like I had, um, <clears throat> yeah, I had some... Some friends who, who I trained with and I, I get it, you know, like I think the older I get, the more I get it from their perspective. At, at the time I was just so hurt, like exactly like, but aren't you my friend first? You know, like, don't you care about me? Uh, just happiness or like our friendship. Like, why would you disown me or? Oh, they stopped being friends with you. I mean, they just really like their disappointment went to a level so deep that. Yeah, that it um it killed the friendship. And at the time, I was just like, "But like, aren't we friends? Like, can't you still just like be supportive of this decision as a friend and can not?" You, can you honestly see where they're coming from now? I can. I can't. I, I, I can. I can. And it took me a long time to. But I think what it was is that you know that was their dream, and we pushed each other. Like you. To have a good dive partner, that is something so rare and so special. And, um, you know, it, it really is. It, it's something you don't talk underwater. So it's like you learn to communicate with this person without words. You know, you learn to understand their every movement. Uh, you are putting your life in their hands and they're putting their life in your hands. And because what you're doing is dangerous, um, the... You know, besides, it's not the sharks or the currents or what everyone thinks. It's the fact that you can black out. You can hold your breath too long. You can black out. And it's like, just like blacking out, you know, on land where you stop breathing and you go to sleep. Except if you do it in the ocean, you're dead. It's right. just as simple as that. Unless you have a good partner. Okay. So your life literally depends it on really that person. It really is. I've saved my dive partners. And like basically, you know, when you black out, if your dive partner's there, they just pull you back up to air. You breathe again, you're not going to die. But if someone's just not watching you, not paying attention, but, but that, that translates because if you can, you know, dive over a hundred feet and your dive partner can only dive 20 feet, that's not necessarily going to let you dive the way you want to dive, right? Because you have to have a partner who, who can handle, right? Like you, yeah, you must have a hard time finding dive. It's hard. I mean, and it's more than just like ability. Um, but, but that is a big part of, there's so many things that, that make someone, someone that I'd actually want to dive with. And I know that feeling is mutual. So I think, I think to kind of see me start to, to even just like walk away from competition and not really care so much and not want to necessarily push myself on every single dive in hopes of, you know, getting that next trophy or, you know, dive like, 
you know, I just kind of wanted to to die for food, enjoy the ocean, stuff like that. But that doesn't really make you the same good partner you used to be if that was your goal before. And right. and then I think, you know, on top of that letdown of just like, hey, we had all these, you know, dreams together and um, and now it's a it's affecting more than just you. It's because it is a thing where you if you're going to push yourself, you need to push yourself with people that have the same ability. Okay. And so if one person's out, it, it affects the other person too. Um, right. That makes sense. Yeah. But also I think in seeing everything else that was going on in my life and seeing me kind of take this path, you know, watching me self-sabotage my own relationships. Like I really, you know, I really was kind of a train wreck, you know? And so I have to also just say that I think in a way they just wanted to grab me and shake me and slap some sense into me and say, what the fuck are you like, doing? Yes. You have a perfectly good career lined up for yourself, girl. You have, you're like doing the best of the best. Like, and we want this for you because we want you to be happy. You had a perfectly good man. What are you doing? You're throwing it all away and I don't even know you anymore. So I think that, you know, makes a lot of sense now. Do you have any, do you regret Either of those things? No, not one bit, not at all. I definitely had to, you know, go through, go through some darkness, go through some times of not liking myself, not totally respecting myself. And like I said, beating myself up for some of my decisions. But in the end, I, I just, I really do, I really do understand that no matter what, you can't force yourself to pursue something just because it, it, it's a good thing or it know? looks good. Right. right. Like it has to be, there's so many good things, you know, in this world, but if it's not the right thing for you, it's just a facade, you know? And, and, and so whether it's in career, you can have a great job, right? You can have a great status, a great title, a great salary. You can have everything that people say you should be so happy, but if it's not right for you, like that's what you're dedicating your life to. It's better. It better be right to you. It better make you happy, you know? And I think in love, you know, it's the same thing is that you can have two really, really great people, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're forever going to be really great together. And, and I just think that, um, to try and force yourself to want something for the sake of knowing that it's good is only doing harm to to that good to that person and and and, and at the end now i i totally like don't have regrets i mean and a big part of that is just seeing how things turned out yeah, you look know at how things have turned out things, yeah, things have turned out good talk to me about this shark i know people ask you about it to death but that video for me it really impacted me it impacted the way i looked at sharks it inspired me to learn a little bit more about them. It definitely inspired me to learn more about you. Um, can you tell my listener what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, basically, gosh, that was like nine years ago already, I think, man. But I I basically had this, this interaction, this experience with a great white shark. And I was on a trip like where where we were there to observe sharks and, and whatnot. Um, but they're really... There weren't any sharks in the water this day. It was really quite boring and everybody was like just not seeing anything. Everyone was like in a shark cage basically waiting to see sharks and nothing was happening and I was kind of over it. And um, 
you know, everyone's on scuba in the shark cage. And then the captain said, you know, there's nothing going on today. There's no activity in the water. And so with his permission, he's like, if you want to just free dive, go for it. And I'm like, oh, I miss free diving so much. Sure. And then, of course, as soon as I get in the water, not in a cage, in my free dive gear, and um, my buddy came in with me. Um, my mask started leaking. I had my head out of the water. I was fixing my mask. And then my friend just grabbed my arm. I started shaking it to death. And, and I just knew instantly, like, there's a shark here. A shark showed up, huh? It's no longer no activity day. And I put my face back in the water to see the biggest great white shark I had ever seen in my life. She and was she was huge and she was coming straight at me. And, um, I mean, I could see, her teeth, you know, I could see everything. Was, I feel like she was like three feet away from me by the time I just reacted or responded, I should say. And I responded by swimming towards her. I just saw, you know, as soon as I just saw her coming at me, I just realized like it's go time. And before I knew it, I was just swimming towards this shark. And, um, you know, and I can like now in retrospect replay that of, of why that was a good decision. Um, you can't outswim a great white shark. So me trying to swim away from her wouldn't have been a good idea. And trying to swim back to the boat or whatever wouldn't have been a good idea. But I think in, in swimming towards that shark, it just kind of communicated to her that I'm not prey. I'm not afraid. I'm a fellow predator. And as soon as I did swim towards her she just kind of veered off and very like passively passed me by and after that it just became clear that she was mellow and you know and through like kind of communicating my presence and her having hers we just kind of shared this space and every single time this shark swam towards me I just made the conscious decision like it is my duty for my safety to swim back at her to meet her halfway to, you know, to not back down from this situation. And every time I did, it was just this interaction just kind of grew. A lot of times I'd swim towards her when she was swimming towards me and she'd peacefully pass me by. I had a GoPro. I could film her. And then this one time when she was swimming out towards me, I was swimming down towards her. She just kind of like switched position and went right underneath me and just slowed down. And I reached out. And touched her back and she slowed down even more. And we both just like swam together. And that was before there was like a lot of people There's swimming like with question. sharks yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so it was a pretty crazy experience. And it was also why I didn't blow it up. Because I, I already see how that already made it where now a lot of people are like, well, I want to ride a shark too. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, ooh, shucks. That wasn't like, it was a very special moment. It was something that that really meant a lot, but it's not like I'm like, oh, they're circus animals. Let's all go out and try to ride sharks or necessarily have these interactions. It was just something where, yeah, I responded to a situation and it ended up becoming a really, really cool moment. I recently came upon Ocean Ramsey, mm -hmm. who's another um, Hawaiian diver. And I just remember re reading the comments about her grabbing onto one of the sharks and it was just the most, they were the most hateful comments about it. And I was wondering if you received any of that sort of backlash. I, I didn't receive that. And that's because it was so early on. There weren't like, you know, these days there's so many like shark tours, you know, Ocean runs hers and there's so many like shark tours and, and people, um, and I'm not trying to say anything bad about that, but um, the access to do things like that is now now there where you can book a trip 
to Hawaii, to the Bahamas, to wherever, and you can swim in the water with sharks and you can get these photos taken and, you know, and create these interactions, right? And so that has, I think, caused some conflict. And again, I I think I am, it's a, it's hard to, a lot of people are, are totally for it. And they're like, you know what, this is great because we're teaching people that, that sharks aren't these scary villains. And the more that you understand something, the more you're going to want to protect it, which is absolutely true, you know? And so it's protecting sharks. And then a lot of people are like, this is not natural. But long, long story short, I didn't get any backlash for it because at the time it wasn't a thing, you right. know? And and I think these days, because it is such such a thing and there's so many people, you know, kind of doing it or chasing these experiences, there's a lot of conflict around that. And so there's a lot of backlash now where I would, I would never pull something like that now. Um, I mean, first of all, it's not like I have the need to, you know, it was a moment that happened for me. And so many people were like, Oh, when are you going to do something like that again? I'm like, no, that's not the point. It wasn't a stunt. No, it it was natural. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. We're, 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 you're officially up and at him. Okay. Um, Kimmy, I just have one more question for you. I wrote an article about being a huntress mm-hmm. and, and the word of the meaning of the word huntress and your answer or your response and your opinion of what that word means was really refreshing to me. Are you aware that that word comes with a ton of contention? I was never aware until I read your article. And I think because I don't come from like the hunting world, like the land hunting world. Um, in fact, to even like refer to spearfishing as, as hunting, which it is obviously, but, um, it's something that that word hunting is normally just like, you know, associated with land and bows and arrows or rifles or whatnot. And so I really never even really heard the word huntress before. I mean, there's a part of me that thought maybe I made it up. Um, I'm like, oh, it's like hunter and lioness. And I know when I come out of the water with my own catch and I'm feeding people I care about, I feel like a freaking lioness. Put those together, huntress. Cool. That's what I am. And until I read your article, I didn't know that it was a word with such history and with such, I guess, like in its own way, misuse, you know? Um, so that was really interesting for yeah, me. It was interesting writing it. I have, I always thought it was a flattering word. Uh-huh. I never, I never really thought that it meant what it means today, which I guess, I mean, the etymology of it didn't mean what it means today. Um, While we have a toddler running around who's trying to pull your exercise ball into here, (laughs) let's just keep it real because I was saying to you earlier, you know, I I don't want to censor being a mom because I think that it sets the wrong impression for people who aren't moms or who want to be moms or maybe who are moms who feel like they're bad moms because Mm -hmm. they're not constantly juggling. And you know, I didn't, (laughs) she's just going to fly now because we're up and at them, but... Um, I did an interview the other day over the phone and the writer who's a mom was writing an article about being a mom and fishing. And she said to me, she could hear me trying to manage Adelaide and the dog and picking dandelions. And she was like, Oh my God, you're just so real. You're like one of us. And I wanted to make it clear for people who maybe don't know that I still struggle with a toddler right now whose world is ending because she can't get an exercise ball through a two foot space, um, that it is okay to be scrambled and frantic and mm-hmm. all over the place. And I just wanted to ask you how you're handling motherhood. How it's, is it different than what you thought it would be? I can't even, I don't even know what I thought it would be. I think I tried not to put too much expectation on that. Um, 
But even had I, the answer would have been yes. Like, it's just, it's something that um, I don't think anyone could have ever completely prepared me for. And um, and how am I handling it? Like, I think, how's it going for me? I think it really depends on what moment of what day you ask me that in. Because it's been a roller coaster for sure. You know, from my very unexpected birth story that went nothing as I thought or hoped or planned it would be, except for the fact that I had obviously a healthy baby. You want to sit down? Yeah. Okay, great. Show me. And then to just having, um, you know, having a baby that I don't know, some say he's colicky, whatnot, but he cries a lot. He's got a voice. He's got lungs that he is exercising. One day he might make one hell of a diver because he, when he cries, he cries. And he loves to do that at night and, and, you know, but, but there's, so there's moments where I am just so tired and I'm so exhausted from hearing these death screams coming out of this being that I love. And then, you know, and then you, the, the way it makes you feel as a mom, like you can't comfort your own baby, you know, that that's not a fun feeling at all. And, and there's more, like, it's not even just the crying baby and having to, you know, tend to its every need, but it's also, I mean, just, just a transition of going from pregnant to postpartum. What a freaking trip. I was not prepared for that. You know, I, I love being pregnant. Um, I'm sure anyone that followed me on Instagram could tell, but I absolutely loved it. And, you know, every day it's like, you're glowing, you're radiant, you're holding this baby, you know, and then, and that's like this long, (laughs) gradual, beautiful thing, 10 months of it. And then after one freaking day, there's no gradual, it just changes. You are no longer this radiant, glowing, holding a baby (laughs) thing. You are a deflated, like... <laughs> Saggy, milk leaking. So thing. true. Yes, and and, and the and stuff the, that comes out of the places that nobody tells you all about. Of that. Come on, ladies. Like you know what I'm talking about. Tell your girlfriends what comes out of no, where. You literally, you know, you're wearing a diaper with your baby, when yes. your baby for for a long time, yes. and I didn't know that. So and that I'm sorry, but that doesn't feel so hot all the time, and. um and just other things, you know, like from being pregnant to take care of your baby, it just means like you have to be healthy. You have to sleep, right. to eat, and you have to exercise. And then you're doing a great job because you're taking care of your baby. It's like, who has time to eat? And it's like, you're just, you know, when you're pregnant, yeah, you're taking care of your baby, but your baby's inside of you. So you're taking care of yourself. Yeah. And it's an awesome feeling for me. Everyone's different. But then when the baby's outside of you, you have to take care of this baby. It's no longer in you. You're not taking care of yourself. You don't have time to sleep. Like you don't have time for anything except taking care of this child, and um, and 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 all that other stuff is instantly stripped from you. And so that's a gnarly transition. And um, and I'm that's the thing I'm still trying to process. You know, um, and I don't really like the whole way society just like goes from. Yeah, this radiant glowing mom too. Okay, now how fast are you going to lose the baby weight? I think that's a crock of shit. Absolutely. You know? Look at me. I still have mine. <laughs> and so it's just, it's so much to just kind of take in and say, okay, how do I navigate this? Oh, wait, I don't even have time to think about that because I am not, I don't count anymore. You know, like for now, 
my life is about this child. And yeah, and so that's been a lot for sure for someone who's always made beautifully selfish decisions and thrived off of that. And now just realizing, I mean, of course I realize it's coming into, but it's just different once you're living it. And, um, but I agree that being real is the only salvation I have to any of this because I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to work anymore i'm still figuring that out you know i'm scared to say that out loud but it's it's the truth for you because you go underwater see for me it wasn't i will be honest it was not and has not been hard for me this is the hardest part is her her, she is running circles around us right now sitting here and sitting on in every single car seat and baby swing in your house but on the water she's easy Mm -hmm. because we're not in right. the water. Yeah. I don't know how you're going to, I mean, I know you'll find a way and you've got the most fantastic partner. So the two of you will figure we it will. out. We will. And that's why when this conversation started and you asked me like, oh, it's been, you know, one rough morning. It's because today I was going to try and get in a quick dive and everything just kind of fell apart on me. And it's just, it's just a humbling phase of life right now. That might be forever, <laughs> but no, yeah. it won't, it will not be forever. And it does get easier. I would always find myself remembering it's not going to last forever. It's just now. And she's not going to be this age forever. I just exactly. need to enjoy it while I have it. It's so true. And honestly, it gets, it gets so cool. It took me a solid eight months to love Adelaide as much as I love my dog. Right. Okay. And that is not something that I think that we, I mean, not everyone's like that, but no, not everyone is like, I'm not going to hide it. That's where I was at. Isn't that crazy? Like I was just telling my sister, I just really assumed that would be like such a natural at all of this because I had like a Rottweiler for 11 years who was my baby. And like, I can just claim I was a really damn good mom for the entire lifetime of that dog. And I mean, I really, really love that dog. Like, even right before I gave birth, I asked to see a picture of that dog, like, and asked him to help deliver the baby for me because he's like my little guardian angel these days, you know. And I've had everything from wild birds I rescued to mentally challenged cats, you know, like everything. I could just love the crap out of it and geckos, you know, and chickens, and really uh, kind of have this magic way. I felt about dealing with them. And so I just thought like, obviously when it's, you know, your own child, it's going to be all of that times a million. Yeah. It's supposed to be this thing where you look at them and you know, they're part of you. And it's this love that you've never experienced before. (gasps) And it is, it totally is. I mean, I had to give it that. Give it. But it's still, it's still different. And, um, and yeah, and it, it's definitely not as seamless as as those other relationships. But um, with all that being said, and I feel like I kind of have to just come out there and like say the hard parts and address them. And it's not because there's not all the beautiful parts. There most definitely are. But I just feel like, um, I don't know, I feel like I need to kind of keep it real because especially with things like Instagram where everything you're putting out there is like Perfect. some super cute picture of your baby and how great it is. Um, I just don't want anyone else to think that it's not hard and then go into depression when it is because it is. But at the same time, I don't know, I guess life also taught me that hard, <laughs> 
heart is where the good comes from. Well, I you think know? that's why we do fall in love a lot of the time. I mean, I love her now more than anything in the world. Like it's a totally different thing. I, I'll, I'll just stare at her. I just can't get it. I want to just eat her. Yeah. Uh, but it took time. And I just think it's unrealistic for a lot of mums to push this thing out and it's just supposed to immediately, we're supposed to immediately have that. So mm-hmm. it does get easier. It does get, it just gets different. And I'm like, I'm so excited for you of all the people I've heard about getting pregnant in the last little bit, the honestly, I, I'm most <laughs> excited for you. I think it's going to be, I think you're really going to love it. Well, it was, um, a video I saw of yours once where you were super pregnant and hungry. And I think you hunted a grouse out of a tree with a recurve yeah. bow and then did this cool thing where you like, it was a compound, but all <laughs> the feathers and I don't know, got the breast out in like yeah. one swoop. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, like that really opened my eyes to a whole new meaning of hunting as a mother mm-hmm. might even be your fault. I'm a mom now, but, um, but thank you because I do, I do love it. I mean, I'll play up the hard side again because I want to honor it and acknowledge it. But, um, but I, I do definitely like, it's crazy. It sounds so cliche, but the moments where you just look at this little baby and, and you are connecting and he is happy and, you know, the small little things or even just the, the relief, I I mean, of, of just, wow, nobody's crying right now. What a freaking miracle. Um, the other day I got to surf for the first time in like almost a year because I didn't surf when I was pregnant and I, there weren't even waves, but it started raining, which sounds like a bad thing. But just because I got to watch raindrops hit the surface of the ocean, it felt amazing. And I mean, maybe this just sounds like, well, all I've been doing is like suffering where now I'll appreciate anything. And maybe it's true. I don't know. But, um, but all I know is that it gives, it does give new meaning to life. It makes you, yeah. it really makes you appreciate those little things. Wait till the smile start and the cooing. Oh, it's going to get so good. <laughs> well, Kimmy, what's next for you? What are you going to do? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Um, you know, I'm kind of trying to take that part slowly. Like, I'm trying to figure out a game plan for diving. Cause like you said, it's going into another world, going underwater. And that's hard to do when you have a baby. But I did get in one dive since, since being a mom, um, uh, my, buddy my baby is five weeks old now and so that's pretty good being that that's like right around when you're supposed to start being active again um, we brought him on the boat with us I saw that yeah and um and it was hard like I'm not gonna lie but but at the end of the day I'm so, every time I think this is too hard like I'm trying to bring him somewhere and do something and it's a juggling act and I think this is too hard this is a mess why am I doing this but I kind of do it anyway, I end up feeling like a freaking champion yes. later. And I have to tell you that for all the moms listening who comment on me taking Adelaide out and hunting and fishing, no, you're giving me away with the other lollipop. Let's keep that quiet. Okay, let's keep that on the low. Every single, especially in the early stages when people would see me going out, it was always super hard. Like twice as hard as if it, it as if I was on my own. Oh my gosh! At least I would think. And twice for, as hard. I just would force myself through it until it became natural for me, and it became natural for her. But it yeah. does start out super hard, where you start asking yourself, like, is this irresponsible? Is this a bad? Is this right. so hard oh, because I'm irresponsible? But it does honestly. If you can just push through that, la- if you just push through that bit, all of a sudden it's just second nature. Yeah. 
that is one thing that I'm learning. And, and then the reward at the end feels awesome because it was hard. That's and right. And you did it. You want to go see the rooster? Okay. Well, I think that we're going we're gonna to wrap this up. Can you say thank you, everyone, for your patience? Thank you for your attention. <laughs> Kimmy, you're such a delight. And honestly, I love to um, quietly stalk you when I'm feeling a little bit <laughs> less grounded because I feel like there's just something about you that's very calming. Oh, well, thank you. And I'm just so thankful to have you <laughs> here and being so patient while I've got someone tugging on my finger. No, it's it's really good to see. Like, I know that being a mom just comes with a lot of chaos and, and it is hard. But as I navigate this next phase, um, you know, I think it is it is just good to see someone who's honoring it on her own path, too. And that concludes this episode of Anchored. Thank you for listening.